whether or not we all realize it, those of us who serve the Lord are participating in the most epic adventure of all time, space, and history. I think it's about time that we start celebrating the miraculous and wonderful ways that God touches our lives in everyday circumstances. I'm Karen Pennington, and this is Daily Adventures in Grace. This is Karen Pennington here, and if you have not already gathered this about me, I am not a tidy person. <laughs> I'm hygienal. I'm fairly uh, militant about making sure dishes are done, laundry is there, you know, surfaces where I eat are wiped off, those sorts of things. But in terms of clutter, not so much. And honestly, that's the things like, like windows. I'm so bad at windows. I can't, I'm looking at the window in front of me. I can't tell you the last time I washed. I'm, I'm just really bad at, at windows. I, I vacuum. Okay. I do the floors. Okay. But the lenses, anything like with lenses, glass, I'm not good at. I, I'm it, it's spring cleaning. Doesn't always happen the way it should every spring, if you know what I mean. And my glasses usually get a little bit foggy. And, you know, it's interesting how if you're used to having clean glasses all the time, if you're used to having clean windows, you can really tell the difference. But if not, things like slowly get murky and you don't even realize how bad it gets because it gets so slow. I'm I'm thinking of this screen right here. I, I know a lot of people listen to this, as a, to what I'm saying, Daily Adventures in Grace, as a podcast but for those of you that watch it um, either on Facebook or on YouTube, you would notice that the screen was getting cloudier and cloudier and cloudier. And I'm going, what on earth? It's not my lighting's the same. <laughs> so finally, I cleaned off the screen. I was like, yeah, this is getting kind of cloudy. It's just a little like that little eye of the screen where the camera is. And then this morning I was, I had re-put up, you know, my latest post and I compared it. When you compare like the one that's cleaned with the one that hadn't been cleaned in, I don't know, 400 years or something. I, I, I mean, it was, <laughs> sometimes you don't realize how disgusting something gets until you hold it up to the light or you hold it up to white. You don't understand necessarily, you know, like an old pair of socks, how no matter how much you wash them and you wash them and wash them, wash them, wash them, wash them. But eventually they get a little bit dingy after even, even with the best of bleachers. I'm, I'm not a bleacher, but, uh, after a while, they get old and they get kind of dingy, and no matter what you do, they get kind of worn out, and you don't notice how dingy they get from the mud and the playing around, and <laughs> I still get really dirty no matter how old I get. I get so dirty, but then you put them up to a new pair of socks, or you have like an older pair of sneakers, and you put them up to a new pair of sneakers, and you're like, oh my goodness, I have no idea how dirty they've gotten. Um, I'm going somewhere with this, I promise. But So that's kind of what happened with my screen, and that made me think of just general cleanliness, um, beyond like dishes and things like that, th those are going to, those are going to get cleaned because it's gross not to, but just the things that we can let go in our lives that we don't even realize how dirty they get because it's like this little by little murking and murking and murking and murking. And, uh, I think that that happens with more than just the physical things. If you know what I mean, or we can be going down a road, um, well, let's just say it of sin of rebellion against God. And, just little things every day, you know, it doesn't have to be that much, just little compromises, uh, a little lie we choose to believe, 
a little joke we choose to laugh at, a little show we get choose to watch. I'm convicting myself again. There's a show that I know I just need to drop. I just need to drop it. It's um, not really anything good. Okay, I need to drop it. But, you know, we know that. We convince ourselves of these things, and it just goes little by little by little by little, but we don't realize. It's like that old boiling frog scenario, you know, when you put your frog. I, I don't even know if it works this way, but. You know, the old thing was if you put a frog in warm water and then slowly turn up the heat, then it's boiling. It, it's it's comfortable in the fact that it becomes boiling. I think we become comfortable in our murkiness because we don't realize how dirty it's getting. And that really happens with God's people. It happens all the time with God's people. In the Old Testament, it happened all the time. And when we read, like, the book of Judges, we're like, man, they're always sinning. Then, or at least I am. I'm like, man, they're dumb. They just keep falling away, falling away, falling away. But if you read the years, it'll be like so-and-so was there and Jerusalem had peace for 80 years and then they forgot the Lord after that. So sometimes it's like over a period of 100 years. It's not always like, you know, today I was following the Lord and tomorrow, um, today I'm following the Lord, but tomorrow I'm going to be doing exactly the opposite. A lot of times it's more gradual than that. And, but it would happen over years. It was, it was a pattern, you know, because we only have, fairly short book considering how many thousands of years it covers you know in this period of time they forget and they fall away and um well so there's one book that's dedicated completely just to lamenting over how bad the state of israel had been the, the capital city of jerusalem and that was the prophet jeremiah there was a whole book of him saying return to the lord return to the lord return to the lord Okay, you're falling away. You're getting murky. Your lenses are very cloudy right now. You're not seeing the way you should um, over and over and over again. I mean, decades he did this. Decades over five different kings. Josiah, two of Josiah's sons. Wait, Jehoiakim, 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 Zechariah. Yes, two of Josiah's sons, two of Josiah's grandsons. Um, Josiah was a great king. His kids were like the exact opposite, and this was these were the last kings of the nation of Judah, which was the southern kingdom of Israel. Uh, the third king, Solomon, screwed up pretty well, pretty good, and then his son screwed up even worse, and so the kingdom got divided really permanently, and the northern kingdom had taken been taken away 100, uh, 130, 140 years, about 140 years before that, and now this kingdom of Judah probably 40 years jeremiah's going stop 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 return 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 look at yourself you're dirty you don't understand how dirty you've gotten because you just it's like dust on your feet dust on your feet dust on your feet you don't even have anything good to compare yourself with anymore other than christ compare yourself with christ and they didn't <laughs> and they resented him for saying it and there were false prophets saying no you're good you know, have you ever done that? Like looked at someone and they look absolutely ridiculous and you're like, you're okay. You know, <laughs> and they were doing that. They were just probably because that's what paid their bills. But there, there's, I mean, sometimes we do what's comfortable to us when we talk to each other instead of what's good for each other. You know, it, it takes a friend to tell a hard truth, even though it's going to, you know, tick someone off. So Jeremiah was a good friend, but he didn't have many friends because <laughs> he takes a lot of people off. And in fact, that last king... Um, Zedekiah had him in, imprisoned because he didn't like what he was saying. I don't like that you're telling me this is going to happen. 
you're bad for morale, you don't get to be free. So, um, now the king that came in and overtook the land, Nebuchadnezzar, he liked Jeremiah because Jeremiah was saying, this is God's will, this is God's punishment, stop resisting. So he was allowed to stay, but ultimately he stayed in a Jerusalem that was completely desolate. Desolate. Um, had been stripped of all its royalty, had been stripped, I mean, totally laid siege. The temple had been literally stripped of all of its gold. And, and remember, at one point, there were so many riches in the temple. David had given all of his riches to build the temple. And that was, I, I think, between nowadays standards, between four and six billion dollars, just worth of gold and silver. That didn't include the bronze. That didn't include the treasuries. That didn't include what the other people brought. So we're talking about billions and billions and billions of dollars of riches for something that isn't even the size of what a normal regular day church would be. It'd be smaller than that. Can you imagine having billions, tens of billions of dollars worth of riches in your tiny little church? <laughs> you, tithing would never be a problem. I, you'd never have to worry about living on tithes again because you had already had everything, right? So they had this, that it had all been stripped. And all the glory, I mean, remember under Solomon, people had come to Jerusalem just to see how rich and glorious it was. Even with Hezekiah, people had come from different nations just to see things. And the people who came to see when Hezekiah was sick, all of his riches, they, that was the nation that came back and stole them all. So, um, but, so they're desolate. And he is just the name of the book after Jeremiah is Lamentations. Because he is just lamenting, what on earth is going on here? He is lamenting over, uh, over just everything that's been lost. Um, here's some of the things he says. This is uh, Lamentations four seven, talking about the southern kingdom of Judah. Um, he said her princes were purer than snow, whiter than milk. Their bodies were more ruddy than coral. Their hair like sapphire. We're talking about pristine gleaming. Now their visage is blacker than soot. They're not recognized in the street. Their skin has shriveled on their bones. It has become as dry as wood. That much decay. Now he's talking about a physical picture here of desolation. But he's also talking about this spiritual picture. You didn't realize how far you fell. I was trying to tell you. God was trying to tell you through me. But you didn't realize how far you fell. And now you're absolutely desolate. And you don't realize Jerusalem is desolate right now. But your hearts were already there. Happy were those pierced by the sword. Talk about desolation. The hands of compassionate women have boiled their own children. At one point, this is verse 12, the kings of the earth did not believe nor did any of the inhabitants of the world that foe or enemy could enter the gates of Jerusalem. You were strong. You were rich. You were looked to by others. And now we're nothing. Look at how far we've fallen. And I'll tell you what, sometimes these great falls, they're surprised to the people who fall, but not really to the people who have looked from the outside. I mean, we even think of like the Roman Empire when people think about the Roman Empire, the great and glorious Roman Empire falling. Yeah, it fell. It took a while, but there was this erosion. That's what happens. There's this erosion that happens internally. And then it's like <laughs> the big bad wolf comes by and huffs and puffs and it doesn't take too much to blow the house down when it's already been eroded on the inside. 
Jerusalem had already lost its foundation in God. They'd lost their foundation in integrity. They'd lost their foundation in hard work. And so they were easy picking. They were easy picking. And now they feel like nothing. They were pristine and now they're thought of as unclean. They were strong and now they're paupers. It was a full city of integrity and richness and uprightness. And now the only thing that are left are the beggars and the poorest of poor and Jeremiah, who got the honor of being able to stay. Now, a verse before that, he says something really important, and that is this. I mean, not a verse, chapter before. Lamentations 3.40, he says this. Let's test and examine our ways and return to the Lord. That's Lamentations 3.40. Let us test and examine our ways and return to the Lord. A few verses before, he talks about how good God is, which has to be hard in the middle of this desolation. It has to be hard. It's hard to say God's good when we're going through hard times, but the harder it is, the more necessary it is to remember who God's is. He says the steadfast, this is Lamentations 3, 22 through 24, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. That word steadfast love, hesed, it's um, kind of a combination between faithfulness and love and mercy all together. It's a word that's kind of hard to translate in our language, and it's so high and above even what we can understand. Chesed, you almost can't even say it. It's like almost like it takes your breath. Chesed, breath. Like the breath of God is It's beyond understanding, but it's beyond what we can even understand. It's certainly beyond what we feel right now. His mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. So returning back to the fact that your hope is not in anything you do, but in God, but that purity that comes from examining yourself. Look at what happened to Jerusalem when they relied on themselves. Look at what happened to God's people when they decided it's all about us. Look at what happened to their hope when it was based on what was in front of their face instead of the God of everything. Does any of this sound familiar? I <laughs> do. I do this, you know, I think of my screen and how murky it got in just a couple of months, maybe a couple of weeks, and me not wiping it off. And I think of our society, how murky our morality has gotten. How into, how existential we are in terms of what's, what's in terms, what's in front of my face, what do I see? I mean, is your hope in the government right now? I'll just tell you, I don't care, Republican, Democrat, if your hope is in the government, you have no real reason to hope because they're human. Is your hope in your own ability? I've failed too many times. I've failed too many times now to rely too fully on that. But then sometimes even then my vision gets murky. Is your hope in your emotions? Your vision's blurry. When our hope is truly in God, we rest truly in God's promises. We know the promises are about us receiving and unlocking. Then we have the courage to look back at ourselves and say, what am I doing? Not, am I bad? We're always good. We're always accepted and beautiful and valued. We are good people. We are smart people. We are valued people. We do stupid things. 
that take away from our value. So how's your lens right now? How do you see yourself? Are you seeing yourself through a lens of worldliness? Are you seeing your life through a lens of worldliness? Or are we looking clearly into the law of love? Self-examination, not always easy. Not even always easy to remember. Self-examination through the lens of God can leave us humble. Not humble like I'm bad, humble like I'm God's. That means I'm valuable. That means I'm valued. That also means I'm not God. We have the courage to look at ourselves and see our weaknesses and see the areas that need to be cleaned up. We can also find the faith and the self-confidence to see ourselves as God's valued possessions, as the jewels that we are, maybe dirtied up jewels, and then we can allow God to clean us. And then we can shine for our worth, which is not in us, it's in Christ. I hope this makes sense. <laughs> hope it's not too murky for you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for the value that is in us. Lord, you know I'm not tidy. <laughs> I need you to tidy me up, but help me to keep coming back to you every day, Lord. Um, to have the strength and the courage to acknowledge my weakness and sin and to allow your value to shine in me so that I can continue to return to the true source of my worth, which is you and me, God, because you, you made me and you don't mess up. So may I come back to my creator every day and acknowledge my worth every day and lay my sins at your feet and take up every jewel that you would have for me. Because you want to give it, God, and I certainly want to take it. And may I be a voice of your value and of your goodness to others, Lord Jesus. Burn up anything that's not of you. Be the refiner's fire so that's what's left. This is the jewel that you've made us to be, God. In your name, Amen. Be blessed, my friends. May you have the faith and courage to admit your weakness and transgressions. And then may you have the faith and self-confidence to stand upon the greatness that God has given you.